what is the thing that gives you your it's driving you energy i think i i've gotten more than a half dozen um notes emails and even met some of these people who over the course of the years me doing doing um my podcast and show and that sort of thing um a few people have have kind of gone through the same experience that i did where it's like they they lose the um extra weight they get back to how they were feeling uh physically like in high school right they get back to their high school weight they have for the first time in years often this new like energy that you felt back then when you were young yeah. and vibrant and so what do you do with all this energy Welcome to The Ziggler Show. I'm your host, Kevin Miller, and I'm here to inspire your true performance from the framework established by Zig Ziggler, one of the top motivators and personal development leaders our world has ever seen, who believed we could all be more, do more, and have more. How? By improving ourselves, starting with us, beginning with how we think about ourselves specifically. So today, let's break down some personal development. Hey, I have a New Year's gift for everyone. I'm going to give you your energy back. How does that sound? Uh, I really do want you to listen here. Do you have the energy and vibrancy you once had? Uh, many of you know from listening for so long that I am heavily invested in the health and wellness industry. And man, this issue of energy is a big one. And of course, then the question is, if you don't have as much energy as you once did, are you okay with that? I hope you're not. And I want to give you some hope today. Uh, you know, this, this whole norm that we have now about aging. I mean, I talk to people who are 30, 40, 50 talking about the things that they used to be able to do, but can't now. And again, are you okay with accepting that? I, for one, am not. I just turned 48. As of this recording yesterday, I turned 48 years old. I have nine kids and a grandchild. Uh, I run three businesses. And I feel responsible to my family to be able to help and be there for, for them for, for a long time. Plus, though, I just think there's so many things that I want to do, things that God's put on my heart that I want to be able to build and create and do, and I don't want to be taken out. I don't understand retirement, and I'm grateful for Zig Ziglar being a great role model in that regards. He was working till the end, not working, but let's say producing. He didn't need to work for the income, but he was producing things that he cared about. So... Uh, you're here though, because you are not the norm. And I know you'll want to hear this message. I'm bringing you Abel James, author of the wild diet and host of the wildly popular fat burning man podcast. So if you don't know, Abel James is a New York times bestselling author, musician, and virtual outdoor adventure guide. He's the host of the award-winning fat burning man show, which is ranked as the number one health podcast in eight plus countries around the world. They've had more than 25 million downloads and Abel has started as a coach on an ABT television series. Uh, he's been featured in wired entertainment tonight, people magazine, so many more. So you can Find all he has to offer you at fatburningman.com as far as a website. But again, you're here listening as a podcast listener. You can go uh, just type in Fat Burning Man and it'll pop up. It's one of the top shows. But here's the deal. Uh, healthy eating, losing weight, burning fat in that instance. I, I didn't bring Abel to talk on to talk to us just about those things specifically. We do hit on those, but as you'll hear from him, they are just vehicles for energy. And energy is a vehicle for just getting out the best of you and all you've got to offer. Uh, we want to get you back to the energy of your youth. Literally it can be done. Uh, and, uh, you want to experience 
and enjoy and create more for your life. This is the show you're going to want to listen to. You don't have to, have to accept the normal and the inevitable decline. 50 years old is when so many people uh, establish their life's work, but we've gotten to the point where 50 is when a lot of people start winding down. So uh, we got something better to offer you today, as you will hear from Abel. Uh, it's not complex. It's pretty simple, and it's really inspiring. So we're going to dive in with Abel as soon as I share some great resources with you. Okay, folks, here we go, and we're going to talk with Abel James and discuss your opportunity for more energy. Well, James, I have been, of course, doing my research on you. I'm intrigued on so many formats. I want to get into your message, but before being a musician, an author, an adventure guide, an award-winning podcaster, I want to know where Abel James originated. What were the, the humble beginnings early on? Tell us a little bit. Cool. Yeah. Um, way back in the day, I grew up in new, the backwoods of New Hampshire. Uh, we didn't have cable television. We didn't always have electricity when there was a big storm or an ice storm. I remember uh, it was out for like two weeks, uh, not not just once. It was over a week, a few times. And and so when you're raised that way, I think you're you're probably just going to come out a little bit different from the way that most people were raised at the same time. To some degree, I feel like I was, um, like I come from a generation before, like a lot of my friends are like huh. my parents' age. And uh, I think part of that is as a result of, of growing up in, in such a kind of secluded, boring place. Yeah. That becomes good later. I did not think so at the time. So anyway, I, um, I got quite sick as an infant, which made me allergic to almost every antibiotic, like Wow. Until now. Okay. So uh, my mom, uh, who was a nurse, went back to school to become a holistic nurse practitioner, an herbalist. And so I was, anytime I got sick, you know, she was going to the backyard and making her own custom balm or tonic or, um, or something that was, that was based in, in a whole different way of thinking than traditional Western medicine. And so anyway, that kind of incubated me in this, this woo-woo world of alternative health that of course I needed to rebel from in my late teens of and in my early adulthood where it's just like, whatever, mom, you know, uh, I'm going to go to the best doctor and follow their advice and figure out the world and know all these things that you don't know because you're in the backwoods of New Hampshire. So anyway, you know, my arrogant younger self, what, but also wanted to see the world. And so um, after I uh, went through Dartmouth for undergrad, I had a bunch of loans, pretty nasty ones that I wanted to pay off quickly. So I took a job in Washington, DC, even though I really didn't want to go to the city, but like I did want to see the world at the same time. Right. So it was, it was an experience that, that I did feel like pinned into a little bit, but at the same time I was willing to explore. So for the first time in my life, I had great health insurance. Yeah. And, uh, so I went to the best doctor I could find. Like I think it was once a week for a while, once every two weeks, uh, and you know, I was, I was peeing every time I was having my blood drawn and then I would get a copy of the charts, learn how to read them myself and just see what was going on. And so he, I, I'd always been somewhat of a, a health nut, but he told me that already, uh, I was looking at because of my family history, which, which he'd seen, uh, I, I would need to reduce the intake of dietary fat, basically eat no cholesterol. And what am I? 20 22 ish at this point. And so, um, 
I want to follow his advice as much as I possibly can. And at the time I'm having trouble sleeping, you know? And, uh, so long story short, I, I, over the course of the next few months have a half dozen different prescription medications. I'm about 30 pounds overweight. My, um, blood pressure is going way up. My triglycerides are going up. I feel like I'm middle-aged. My, my face kind of like turns to this round shape and I'm, I'm inflamed. I have kidney stones. I get the swine flu. It's like everything Goodness. starts just falling apart at the same time. And this is while I was, you know, running 30 miles a week and, uh, you know, succeeding. I'm using air quotes, sure, but sure. It's, it's, you know, uh, and so like my coworkers, when I was doing consulting, uh, weren't surprised. Do you know that I was, I was putting on a little weight and it was a little puffy and whatever. Cause they all were too. Like, that's just what happens. They're like, Oh, it's your genetics. It's, it's what you have to accept. So anyway, I got sick enough that I just looked at myself in the mirror and I'm like, this is not me. I, I know that whatever I'm doing now, I know I tried it, but it's like, this is, this is not working. Yeah. Um, and so anyway, I, I basically just, I, I was a researcher uh, back in school. And then that's what I did for work as well as a, a ton of research. So I just aimed that at the world of alternative health once again, but kind of combined it with um, what I found in the world of bodybuilding from like back then there were, there were a whole bunch of different like underground forums. And my older brother, I had seen him, he had um, unfortunately drug problems and was really skinny. And then when he, when he kicked that for a while, um, I saw him put on like, 50 pounds of pure muscle in just a few months. And I was like, what happened? Yeah. And it was without drugs, right? So it, it kind of violated my idea of what was possible in terms of like, if you see your brother yeah. just like transform like that, it's like, wow, maybe I could do something like that too. And so once, once I was willing to go against the advice of uh, basically my doctor at the time and a lot of what the running magazines had told me about nutrition and and all the Gatorade drinking and carb loading and all this stuff. Once I was willing to risk a heart attack, according to my doctor and start eating healthy fats again and yeah. focus on eating veg and maybe not work out so much that the weight, the fat came off in just a few months. Um, I, I flushed all of my prescription medication. And ever since then, it's, it's been, I've been at or below around like 10% body fat, which is like such a monumental difference than, than where I was. Even though I wasn't vastly overweight, I felt old and sick and awful. Yeah. And, you know, the medications didn't seem like they were helping that much. So <laughs> yeah. once I transformed, um, it, was, it was one of those things where I, I was actually mad <laughs> and that to some degree... I was mad at how straightforward it was, and I had never really been taught this. In fact, it violated so many things that I thought I knew. And uh, so at, at that point, it was like I, I, I could no longer do what I was doing. And fortunately, I'd paid down almost all my debt at that point, and, and I chose to go into health and kind of like alternative health and had my mom, she was one of the first guests on my podcast. That's and, excellent. And eventually that, that blew up and 
yeah. So anyway, well, and I want to go, I want to go back there a little bit because, you know, as we look at so many people who are trying to find that vocation of purpose to find that thing where they really feel they're, uh, you, you got, you've got a calling, you know, you, I was wondering about where are those threads, those seeds of interest come from? And you told a story at the, I think it was the beginning of the book about your dad questioning your eating habits. And yeah. that really got you as at an early age, as a kid, interested at least in this health and wellness type thing and going there. And, and that's yeah. not normal. I mean, there's a, a zillion parents like myself who are listening yeah. here now and go, it's not like I haven't told my kid or tried to teach him and tried to whatever. And it didn't really take any, you know, it doesn't care. You did. I mean, that's just kind of a curious thing of your own make from an early on. So you've got the experience from your mom. You've got the uh, influence from her that maybe you rebelled about. But obviously it was something, there was a seed there that has been, uh, I guess it's not a surprise to see where you're at today from that early on interest. Yes. Yeah. I was always very, very curious. It infuriated my parents. <laughs> it was not always a good thing. You know, I'd be like, I remember one, my, I think it was my, um, my dad flipped that out. Cause we were like at the beach and I was like, dad, the lobsters eat popcorn. <laughs> it's just questions like that. Uh-huh. Where did you, it seemed like a lot of time wasting questions, but I think it was just, you know, to this day, sometimes I'm not popular at parties because I ask weird, deep questions, you know, uh-huh. cause I, I want to know <laughs> what's really going on. I don't want to talk about the weather. Yeah. Right. I'm not interested in small talk or, or people being competitive and talking about how important they are and all the impressive things they've done. It's like, why are we here? What are we all doing? We're sharing this moment. Let's use it. All we have, I believe, is our attention, mm. right? That's the, the past is whatever we're able to cobble together, which is usually somewhat of a fiction. The future doesn't really exist. All we really have is that attention. So anyway, yeah, I've, I've been different or very inquisitive for a long time. And I think the thing that you're referencing that, that really excited me about my dad saying like, basically and it wasn't this this short or this you know insensitive but basically this is as i was entering puberty and starting like i'd always had a little bit of baby pudge and i was the round faced chubbier one and um he said well now that you're hitting puberty you can choose to be athletic and and lean and, and trim and and basically mold your your body as as you wish or you can just like not really care about it and you might be a little overweight and you know my dad being a little overweight at the time he's just like you know it's it's it it is a choice right and and it's priorities and whatever I don't remember exactly how it went but that to me at first was like oh my god am I gonna be fat I'm like starting to get acne and and worried about all this stuff but at the same time I'm like oh it's like if I wanted to be a pro basketball player I could do that or something right because before it was like I wanted to be a ninja turtle or whatever but of course at some point I realized you do to some degree, you get to choose your destiny, whatever that is. Oh, amen. Well, you know, so on this, looking at just what are the things that drive you, I appreciate that, that when you had this, let's call it a health crisis at, at an early age, I mean, again, far, far earlier than you should have, that it made you mad uh, at the, and I'm paraphrasing, you know, at the cultural yeah. knowledge guidance, the way that we go. Because in the health and wellness for a, what we could say that personal development overall, I mean, we tend to 
just trust. You know, we trust the culture. We trust that we don't say that I trust the FDA, but we just walk into the grocery store or the restaurant sure. and we figure, well, Hey, if it can come through the fast food window, it must be okay. And then mm-hmm. to realize that, no, it's not. So on one side, I mean, do you feel that because we can go on the side of, you know, there's a, there's a conspiracy theory or it's evil. I think you even use those words a lot. You know, is it, or is it just, you know, it's just business and they just went the way of people who want to consume more and it's not all good or bad. I mean, where do you fall on that? But either way of realizing yeah. that it, is not okay. The norm is not okay. What you said at the end there would be my point is like, it doesn't really matter if there's a top down conspiracy or who's mm-hmm. controlling things or if it's just, you know, sloppy business. Um, but what's important is to realize that you need to practice self defense when you walk into the grocery store, or when you're shopping online, mm-hmm. or whenever you're eating food. It's one of those things where. I was having this conversation with Dr. Alan Christensen, um, who's uh, a friend of mine and has been a guest on my show a number of times. And uh, we were talking about how in the 1950s, you know, around 10% of people were overweight. Mm-hmm. Now it's about 65, 70% overweight or obese. By 2030, we're looking at 85% of people who are going to be overweight or obese. So we, since the 50s to like the 2030s, less than 100 years, will have gone from one out of 10 people being overweight to nine out of 10 people. Um, so it really doesn't matter <laughs> if there's a conspiracy or not, but, but I don't think we can any longer believe that we're making progress um, when it comes to health when you look at numbers like that. Like, yeah. like despite all of the medical innovations, despite all of the care and resources that we have now, things are to some degree worse than ever in that regard. And so uh, we were talking about (laughs) how, you know, he's um, relatively um, thin, but athletic, you know, very athletic. He's a climber. I've been rock climbing with him and hiking with him a number of times. Um, And I'm, I'm not overweight either. And we're flukes and he's raising his son and, and his kids. Um, to be flukes, because if nine out of 10 people are sick and overweight, then you're going to have to be willing to be different, ridiculed, attacked sometimes for having bizarre beliefs that are all conspiracy theories because you eat vegetables in public or what have you. Right. <laughs> and you, so you have to be willing to embrace that to some degree and be weird um, and, and be willing to, I guess, have a different worldview from some other people that you're sharing your space with and thanks to these sponsors for bringing us today's show well let's let's go ahead and hit that because i mean we're so aware i mean i know you are as well anybody i think in the health and wellness arena is that you know we're calling people to something that is so countercultural that it is isolating and that that's, I feel like sometimes we don't put that on the table. There's a guy, I don't know if you know this book called undoctored uh, by his doctor. Oh, yeah. Okay. Dr. William Davis. I love his quote in there where when people say, oh, so you're asking me to eat extreme a radical. And he said, no, I'm trying to help you understand that the way that we eat in our culture today is extreme and radical. I'm just calling us back, which is what you do right. in the, the wild diet is saying, oh, we're going back just to where we were for the majority of the span of humanity, uh, as you know, right. uh, wrong, uh, just, just different in the past, you know, what hundred years or so. Well, I would argue that maybe a hundred years ago, almost zero people looked at a food and thought, is this going to make me fat? Yeah. But 
like how many people look at food, if not that way, then some other way that's, that's not serving them. Right. Yeah. Whereas it's, it's fuel, it's us, it's, it's like breathing, right. It's not something that should be overly complicated. They never knew any of the science, right? Like anyone more than a hundred years ago, let's say, didn't know any of the science. They didn't have any of the technology. They just ate food, food that was appropriate. And one of the problems is when you have, you know, these triple bacon cheeseburgers with a side of fries and these giant uh, sodas, then somehow that, that extreme, that sensationalism has been moved like it's so ridiculous that like, okay, so you put a, a reasonable meal that, that maybe even the same thing from the 1950s, which would have been a, a little burger, probably a single patty. Maybe it had cheese on it. Maybe it didn't, but it was mostly meat, not just like fillers and crap. And uh, it was fresher, much smaller. They had potatoes that were chopped up and then fried to make the fries. It wasn't some like fry product. Yeah. And then the Coke or whatever they had was like six ounces or something. You see those old bottles. They're just tiny little things. And so what's happened is like now everything is so extreme and so over the top that the middle is moved way over to the extreme side. So your point is exactly right. You, our, our idea of normal is abnormal, especially historically. Yeah. Yeah. Like a chocolate cake oh my wouldn't have been something that, any of our ancestors, like 99.9999 would have ever seen like yeah. fat and sugar do not come together ever in nature. You know, there are certain things that just don't happen that are now every meal for us. Yeah. My, so my business partner's a doc. Uh, he's an MD functional medicine guy. And his statement is that, you know, it used to be kind of to what you said, it used to be that we would have that birthday cake once every few months at a birthday party. And that's great. That's fine. May even be righteous. He would go that far at that time. But now that we have the same content for breakfast, lunch, and dinner in the form of what, you know, whatever we crunch, there you go. Yeah, exactly. And then to get the healthy stuff is, uh, you know, still the complete Junk. I mean, what you're talking about. I mean, I got to, I got to witness it. Uh, my grandparents who would probably, if they were still alive, somewhere around 110 or so. And they had a farm in a little town in Ohio. And then as a, as a kid, I would go there and they had a huge garden. They got most of their stuff out of there. And I think that their aspect is what, what else, what other option is it? There's a little store in town that has a few little trinket items. That's it. This is, this is it. They go down the road, they get their milk from the farmer down there who does that. They mm-hmm. get their meat over here. And it's so interesting that, yeah, now today, and I live in a relatively small town, but it's a big effort for somebody to go, no, I had to go do this to get grass fed beef to get, I mean, the farmer's market, uh, you know, food. I mean, we just don't have some people I feel like we don't have access to it, but again, it's just like you said, you're, you're a weirdo, you're a complete weirdo. So again, I'm going to come back to that. Speak to that because so many people, I think a lot of them will hear this and they'll nod their head and I hope they'll all get the wild diet book and read it and start doing that. But the reality of, okay, not only are you going to have to deal with your taste buds, you know, and, and retrain that, but you are now making yourself somewhat of a pariah culturally. How do you go to the church potluck or send the kid to that event or just eat with your coworkers or when somebody brings, you know, lunch into the office, you are now that weirdo. And that's a very, I mean, is that almost for some people, a harder endeavor than actually just changing their diet. Definitely. That's okay. the hardest part is you have to change your worldview. Mm. You have to change who you're willing to be um, 
I don't like people taking on labels, right? Um, I, I don't want people to say like, I'm following the wild diet or I'm paleo or I'm keto right. or I'm carnivore or I'm whatever fad is coming next. You know, it's, it's one of those things where we should be <laughs> very human uh, about eating food and we should take it seriously. And, and, and like you said, when you, um, when, if, when you're getting the meat from just down the street, right? When you're, when you have seen those cows before, yeah. you're going to treat your burger differently. Right, like we had back backyard cows in New Hampshire for a while there, and and our dogs were great friends with them. We were friends with them. They had names. They were like our pets. And then we, you know, had them slaughtered and ate them. And that sounds horrible, right? But like eating a triple decker cheeseburger doesn't for right. some reason. It's like what right. happened there? Like how come those two things are different? Yeah, it's well, it makes me think of reverence. You know, you go back to the scenes that we see in movies nowadays with the, the Native Americans who, you know, shot the, the, the whatever animal and then came over and kind of prayed over it, gave thanks yeah, and right. honored that. And yeah, to have that now, I mean, we, of course, we, that's conversation in our uh, house. The kids will ask, well, so what is, so they call cow what? It's beef. Why don't they call it cow? We call fish a fish. Why do they yeah. call it that? Why is a pig? Why do we give it these, these different names? And yet we're so removed mm -hmm. from the food. So you're again, just asking us to partake, to get hands on, to have that knowledge and to, yeah, yeah I, I actually like the word reverence for it. I do too. I think we should have a lot of humility when we take a life. It's so nonchalant the way that, you know, we're all kind of conditioned to think that the only thing with consciousness is a human, but <laughs> I mean, my dog, when she stares at me through the mirror is exhibiting some form of consciousness. And, yeah. and if you follow that down the line, you know, does a, does a slug have consciousness An ant do, do plants does everything. And, and, um, if you show up to the dinner table with, with that in mind, um, it, it is a different way. Like it, you won't really overeat. You know what I mean? Yeah. And um, that's not something that I thought of or I invented or what have you, but we've, we've traveled to over 30 countries at this point, a lot of them in the East. And when you get out of this culture that we were all raised in, you start to appreciate how different uh, of lives some people live and how often some people pray and how often some people are exhibiting spirit, being spiritual or being reverent in mm -hmm. public. Um, instead of, you know, having road rage in public. Um, I remember when we went to Bali, um, in Indonesia and, uh, my wife and I had everything. We had just sold everything, sold my house, sold all the cars and, and gave away or sold everything. So all we had basically was in those backpacks and, uh, the windows were down and we were just like stopping at a rice paddy. There are a bunch of people around just kind of like milling about and the windows are down and we're just kind of like walking away from the cabin. We're like, um, do you think maybe we should, you know, lock the doors, roll the windows up? And he's just like, no, no, what? He's like surprised. And it's like, no, well, could we, you know, like lock it? And he's just like, no, uh, people don't steal things here. They just believe in karma. So it's not a problem. And we're like, really? Uh, that, <laughs> like, yeah. Do you just live like this? It's, and it's like living with a door unlocked the yeah. way that, that people used to, or, or the way that I used to uh, back in New Hampshire wow. when I grew up. It was like, it was a different way of thinking about the world. I don't know if it's yeah. appropriate anymore, but you can definitely apply it to certain things in your life. 
goodness. Yeah. yeah. You know, my, you're talking about being in different places. My uh, daughter, I have one of my daughters who just spent a few weeks in France and she was just blown away by meals, how yeah. people sit down and it's an event. Cultural. And it's so she said they lasted forever, forever. She thought we yeah, eat like slow hours. Yeah. I, again, that, that reverence. Okay. So I want to, I want to, I want to dig into a couple things on there, but you know, just back to, to you, I'm still intrigued on your own uh, personal development journey as you go. Okay. Now I got to admit, you know, you, you were a professional musician. I went and I stalked you there a little bit and I found <laughs> swamp thing. Uh, yeah. so I've been listening to you singing the white fit guy singing the blues and, uh, <laughs> big horns. I, I love it folks on that. So I'm a Spotify junkie. So go to Spotify, type in Abel James and you will find him. And I had fun listening this morning. I'll listen. I'll listen more later. So, so, so there you're doing that. You're doing stuff. Um, in the corporate world, whatever. And then you have this experience and you're upset at that. And you obviously go that direction. Was there a time when you, did it just kind of gradually happen or was there kind of this epiphany of, gosh, I am vocationally, I'm, I'm going to go this direction. I'm, I'm going to leave yeah. this. Yeah. What happened there? Yeah, totally. Um, and I, re- I remember the moment too, because uh, like you said, I'd, I'd been kind of like moonlighting, still playing tons of gigs over 200, but, but working, from home at this point in Austin, um, doing consulting. And so, uh, it was, it was after I had basically gotten sick and then gotten so healthy and, and feeling so good that I started running marathons for the first time in my life. It was always something that I wanted to do. And then I just started doing it and, and, um, actually getting like pretty fast. And I had been an athlete before, like I used to run run track and I raced uh, cross country mountain bikes and I ran cross country and that sort of thing. So I did have some experience, but I was, I was running with like such joy and ease that I'd never experienced before. Like I always got hurt before. One of the things I did was um, started to run barefoot and kind of like re examined how I move my body, retaught myself how to run without yeah. big floppy shoes and what have you. Um, but, born, born but to run. after what's that born to run that changed it for me that book born yeah to run. absolutely i read that book back then and that was yeah. a big you know springboard in yeah. a lot of ways into a lot of other cool things chi running by danny dreyer was another book that i read around the same time i later had him on the podcast a few times to, to talk about it and got to hang out with him at one of his clinics and and really got into it but anyway so i'm doing all this this like athletics again and uh having fun with it in, in one of the, uh, I think the Austin ran, uh, marathon I ran was like, I finished in the top 3%, even though I like, wow. I really wasn't trying to race. It was more just, it was for the fun of it. And I was, yeah. I was exploring again. So I'm having a great time doing this and I'm starting to coach other people. Like I had printed up uh, a few copies of, of this, uh, basically fat loss manual that I put together for, um, people who I'd, been just just a handful of people around town who I'd been coaching, um, mostly as a running coach to help them athletically, but nutrition definitely enters into that. And then also, you know, some of my friends and family who had been struggling the way that I had been, um, being overweight and sick in, in kind of specific ways that you could turn around with, with real food. And so basically yeah. I printed that up at the same time. And I started getting these emails from people that were just like, Oh my God, it's only been two months, but ever since I found your stuff, like I've lost 40 pounds and I'm off all my meds and my life is completely turned around. And then I told my aunt and, you know, she's down 14 pounds in the first three weeks. And then I'm getting like all these emails all of a sudden and I'm getting these other emails for work. They're like, 
Well, we're going to have to fly to D.C. for another meeting to talk about the meeting that we're having the following week about this thing. And I showed up at one of those meetings where the my plane ticket, this is, this is from the federal government. They're paying for all this. Fly us all out. At the last moment, we were like partnered up with a bunch of people flying from Harvard. And we show up at the meeting. And the person who planned it last minute, she walks in late, sits down. She's like, oh. So why are we all here again? What's this meeting for? And, and it was pretty much at that moment that I'm just like, I cannot do this anymore. Yeah, yeah. Um, at the same time, the government basically had shelved one of these reports that, w- that we worked on that could have helped a lot of kids, wow. specifically that we'd worked on for like a year. And they're like, thanks very much. Boop. <laughs> Nothing happens. Nothing's improved. And I'm just like... I have too much fire in me to do this with my life. And that's when I just really doubled down on, uh, on my blog first, then making the podcast after that, then getting into video after that. Yeah. And, you know, so that ultimately led to a book, big book deal, then a big ABC TV show and a whole bunch of other crazy adventures that were mostly a way to, to honestly um, figure out how the world works, hopefully while helping people as much as I possibly can. That, that was always my goal. Yeah. Well, and that was where I wanted to ask next. I mean, so you start off, I love that with the, it's kind of like the Jerry Maguire thing, you know, your little manual, your fat loss manual, and, yeah. and you get some traction on that. And then obviously that goes on and you've got this hugely wild or, or, or wildly famous uh, podcast, fat burning man. You've got the book, the wild diet. So you, just on that, you know, fat loss, fat burning that, Obviously, you are helping people lose, you know, zillions of pounds of fat, but the real payoff for them, I'm wondering from your standpoint, what is the, the benefit? Because I'm sure you're not, it's, it's not all about fat molecules for you. What's no. the big picture for that person that you are helping that fat is a vehicle for getting uh, fit is a vehicle for the ultimate what? What is the thing that gives you, your, it's driving you? Energy. I think I, I've gotten more than a half dozen um, notes, emails, and even met some of these people who over the course of the years me doing, doing um, my podcast and show and that sort of thing, um, a few people have, have kind of gone through the same experience that I did where it's like they, they lose the um, extra weight, they get back to how they were feeling uh, physically like in high school, right? They get back to their high school weight. They have for the first time in years, often this new like energy that you felt back then when you were young, yeah. and vibrant. And so what do you do with all this energy? Well, those like half dozen that I was, that I was just talking about started gyms of their own or started their own coaching practices or started their own business because they, you know, with all this energy that they had now, they can't work their nine to five anymore. It's not enough for them. Mm-hmm. So they start um, using it to create, you know, a lot of people also feel the same thing that I did where it's like, Oh my God, like I'm healthy again. It was, this is all you have to do. Everyone should be like this and they just can't help themselves, but spread the message to the people they love and care about. And then often take it on as a vocation, whether it, it, you know, ultimately it all goes to coaching anyway. I think it's, it it all comes back to the mind at some point. And, and, you know, fat loss and weight loss and that sort of thing. I, I don't think you'll have full energy unless you do have your health. And so that's really the goal. But if I'm just like leading with, 
eat your vegetables, everybody. I'm the vegetable eating man. <laughs> then, um, you know, yeah. in the world that we live in, yeah. unfortunately, I don't think it would, it would work quite as well as, you know, the, the not overly serious, I hope, approach that I take, right? Like with a show that's named Fat Burning Man, it's never going to be me dressed up in a suit being a square, you know, and, and I don't think that health has to be anymore. And also that's some, to some extent playing to my weaknesses as much as it's playing to my background. Like I am not a PhD. I'm not an MD. I have my undergrad and I did a fellowship and that's about it. And I'm not a health professional. I'm not a guru. I'm just still asking weird questions to people who hopefully because of their expertise and their background will be able to provide a whole lot of insight. And, uh, and I'm really glad and fortunate that other people are willing to put up with that and, and listen to it and enjoy it themselves because uh, I know that it's different. And I like it that way. Well, it's obviously working. I mean, again, going back to those early threads of the, you ask the weird, deep questions, obviously we look at the success of the podcast and say, well, it must be working. You know, it's interesting when you talk about the results that you got or the testimonies you got from people, once they did this and they got this much energy and what do I do with it? My yeah. journey of investing in the health and wellness industry came from being over and trying to help people pursue self-employment, which is, you know, it's more of a personal development journey than just a vocational journey. And in that so often had so many of them going, gosh, I've got a good idea. I know it's viable. I just don't have the energy to do it uh, aside from my day job. And so we came into the health and wellness uh, to help them get more energy so that they wow. could do that. Cool. So I know it was, it was intriguing. That's what's, you know, it's one of the reasons I'm here today and, and talking with you right on. on the, on your, I mean, if I could call it a methodology, you know, the wild diet and, and that premise, sure. I mean, we know that there's so many people out there. Well, yourself, it's your own story. You know, as you, even as you entered into this health crisis, you said you were running 30 miles a, a week. We have right. so many people who are exerting so much willpower, so much discipline, they're exercising, they're trying to eat right, and they are not getting results. And we know as a culture, we are getting worse and worse and worse. Chronic illness and disease and obesity is rising like mad and people are flat out frustrated. And yet the programs out there are unlimited. And, and you know right. that, and you know that there's goofy things that, that are not good, that are, ba- that are bad, but you know, people initially lost weight with. So to me, it seems like it's got to be a big battle of yours when it comes along and people go, yeah, it's, you know, another thing. Now the testimonials, obviously over time for your book, for your podcast speak for themselves. Obviously you are getting results, but how do you deal with that at face value from the next person goes, yeah, yeah. You know, I've tried a hundred things. You know, why is yours any different? How do you answer it? (laughs) I always answer it differently depending on who it is. But, yeah. but what I'll say is that considering the fact that we're looking at 9 out of 10 people being overweight um, in the future, you have to look at that trend and, and consider the fact that maybe we shouldn't be looking forward. We should be looking back. Maybe we oh. should be looking at the times Beautiful. that we didn't have all these problems. What if, like you said, there's always more information and it's more saturated than ever. What if we don't need more information? What if we need less? And so That's the reason that I wrote the book, The Wild Diet, is that I define what diet means mm-hmm. at the beginning, just to like be clear. <laughs> because it's not, it appears to be kind of like a diet book, but it's much more of a philosophical or just like narrative adventure that hopefully teaches you a bit about 
the basics of healthy eating and also how to reach your goals, whether you're an athlete or you're just someone who wants to get your health back and, and basically the, the same shape that you were when you were younger or at your, your peak. Like there's no reason that that should go away. When you travel the world, you see other people who are just like scrambling up cliffs in Peru who are in their eighties or nineties. You start to believe that maybe there's a bit more to being human than all of us, you know, believe there is. Maybe we're capable of a bit more than we're settling for. I adore your answer. Uh, it's perfect. Not, you know, not looking, cause that's where we are. We're for, we're looking for the next thing, the next scientific thing, the next pill, the next methodology. And we're thinking, Oh my gosh, you know, again, going back to our grandparents a hundred years ago or stuff, we weren't at the place that we are now. It reminds me again of the concept that we just talked about the born to run book. Who's the guy that wrote that? Was it McDonald? Chris McDougal. McDougal. Thank you. And, and him, what hit me in that, I don't know if he said this, but what hit me is, yeah, where did we get to the thought of saying, you know, you know, God did a pretty good job creating us, but he really screwed our feet up. We've got to support right. those. And right. he's just saying, no, go back and strengthen your feet to do what they originally did. And I hear that's your answer. And I love it. It's no, we're just going back to what we did for the span of humanity. And a lot of cult- other cultures do we here in America and all our brilliance are flat out wrecking ourselves. How did we, right. how did we get go so astray? I guess it, it doesn't matter. We have, and now you're, you're bringing us back to that. And, uh, you know, in the research and when you look at the book, when I read your book, it, it is really difficult for me. If I was sitting across from somebody, we're both looking through your book. How, I don't know how to argue it. I don't know how, but it's, it's pretty irrefutable, uh, from the research, from the, again, common sense, it's become uncommon. Yeah, I think you nailed it. The common, I I want that book to just be common sense. Like a lot of yeah. people are like, "When is your next book coming out? When are you when are you doing this next deal or whatever?" It's like, no, I I wrote it. Like I wrote it so that ten or a hundred years from now, you'll still know how to eat uh, in a healthy way to help you reach your goals. And you can read it in less than two hours, and it's got fifty recipes in it that are family recipes or recipes that we've made. Um, hundreds of times for the most part. Like we, we really do this. A lot of people, I'm sure it's, you know, to some degree, common knowledge to your listeners don't even write their own books these days, you know, just slap their name on the front and get a ghostwriter or whatever. And so it's a very nonchalant and meaningless pursuit. I think if, if, if that's kind of what most people are expecting, but if you find something that resonates with you, right? Which I've, I find these gems of books every once in a while. And I just like, wow. And I just can't put it down and I learn something and then, and then I'm excited about it. And I just hope that that's what people get from uh, the wild diet, even if it appears to be a diet book. <laughs> well, and I, I love, I do, I can't, you know, I'm, I'm like you uh, with a podcast and uh, my, my staff is, you know, constantly walking in, Hey, you got another book in the mail. And so it's just a treasure trove of books. Oh yeah. Uh, yours was an easy read. You know, I think you even mentioned the kiss principle, keep it simple, stupid. And I I love the way that it uh, is put out. It is simple. It takes a lot of this seemingly complex thing of, Oh my gosh, I got to change my lifestyle and you make it easy. You make it, uh, understandable on that though. It were, of course I want everybody to go get the book, go get the wild diet, go tune into, uh, uh, the fat burning man podcast, but I'm sure this happens to you a lot. You know, people want to know what you do or they, they know what you do. You got a short amount of time. And so it's somewhat of an unfair question, but if you had to just give a, Hey folks, if you're hearing this, 
Yeah. You just want to start somewhere now. What are the first, I'm not going to put a number to it. The first two, the first five, the first, first things that you can do right now. If somebody hears this goes, I don't want to, I don't want to even wait till I get the book. I've got to make a change now because I'm, I'm so upset at where I yeah. am and the results I'm not getting. If you could give a few handfuls of nuggets, where would you start? What are the core pillars? If I could ask that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's important that everyone know that and that we revisit them from time to time, I believe. But, uh, Never did our ancestors think about f like fat, carbs, calories, counting, or anything like that. So forget about it. Don't count any points. Um, look down at your plate when you're eating, when you're hungry. Eat when you're hungry and, and don't when you're not <laughs> like truly hungry. There's a difference between being hungry for emotional reasons, for, for various reasons. So notice why you're hungry. Make sure that it's true. And when you look down at your plate, Make the majority of it fresh, green, and colorful vegetables of various kinds, whatever you like. But hopefully, get some greens in there, you know, and then just get a variety of different foods. Go for diversity. So it's kind of like a big salad or a big, you know, stir fry with greens and onions and, and uh, peppers and spices. Various fresh spices are really important. It'll help it taste better. It gives you sensory experience. It gives you phytochemicals and various things that are scientifically proven to help us feel better, uh, to improve our immune health and, and so many different things uh, from especially the fresh veg and, uh, and fruits as well. So eat fruits more as a treat than as something to fill up on. Like you can't really fill up on fruits. There are a lot of sugar in them. So eat fruits with some moderation, but enjoy them. Eat, eat the ones that are in season. Um, with, with any plant-based food, eat nuts, um, try to make sure that whatever you're eating isn't fried in low quality oils. Stay away from GMO cheap oils from things that shouldn't have oil coming from them. Like corn, like where does that come from? Soy? Like, I don't know what that is. Macadamia nut, avocado, sure. Coconut. Those are fatty things. Uh, that makes sense. But when you look at the, the processed fats, just like forget about it. Get away from the fried foods. Fry your own stuff in coconut oil at home if you'd mm -hmm. like. Uh, and then when it comes to proteins, then it doesn't really matter if it's coming from, you know, beans or beef, but make it high quality if you can. And what that means is not like I'm going to have to spend so much more on this expensive health food now. No. Stop buying poison is the way that I have to think about it. Yeah. That's what really helped me get through. It's like, oh, it's so much more money. No, you're not comparing the same thing. These are not, they appear, you know, in this world, butter is butter and beef is beef. But no, that is not the same thing as, you know, like fake butter. I can't believe it's not butter is not butter. It, yeah. Butter is, though, especially grass-fed, pasture-raised butter, and it tastes great. Same thing with cheese. If you're eating Velveeta and, mm -hmm. or, or the equivalent, equivalent of Velveeta-style terrible fake cheese on your pizza, on your nachos, on your whatever, you can eat pounds of this stuff because there's no end. It's designed to make you addicted to it. So anytime you eat something that makes you hungrier or make you want to eat more, put it down that thing is hijacking your senses. So mm. when it comes to meats and proteins, about a palm size portion is great for most people for a meal. And then aside from that, eat when you're hungry, eat 
most of your foods, make them veg, make them plants. Um, try to make it, it doesn't mean that you have to be super organic all the time, but try to make it clean. Make sure it's not poison. Most of our food is toxic. I wouldn't feed it to my dog. Um, once you know, like at this point, I know a little bit too much. I have seen how the sausage is made. Even as a consultant, I worked with some, uh, major food and beverage companies and please stay away from stuff that you know is bad for you. We all know. Right. So anyway, when you're looking down at your plate, that that's the pillar, make it mostly veg, make it mostly fresh. And if you're eating meat, make sure that it's clean, make sure that the animal was raised. If it's fish, that it wasn't fed on chicken feces like most or, or some farm raised fish is and full of worms and other various Make sure your chicken isn't full of salmonella and bacteria and antibiotics and arsenic. Make sure that, you know, I shouldn't have to say any of these things, but this is what I mean when I say it's like you have to practice self-defense. So I want to give people the tools to navigate this crazy world as, as it appears to them, because I, you can't predict what we're going to be up against with, with now, you know, (laughs) brain implants and lab grown meat and whatever is coming next. Like we just more than saying, you need to follow this dogma. We need to give each other the tools to be like, holy crap, like, what do we do next, right? Yeah, what do we do with the new Frank and Salmon or whatever they've now created exactly. I, I'm reading about. Okay, so you know, on this, and I, and I could talk to you for days on this. Folks, go get the book. Go listen to the podcast. Uh, you know, I'm interested, though, when you say you know, that the book is solid. And when people ask you, you know, when's the next book coming on? Uh, you, you wrote it. It's solid. It's, it's going back. It's not like it's going to change significantly, but I am interested in, in, uh, my, my last question for you is just, so what is your, what's ahead of you? What is the big vision that you're going towards with this endeavor? What do you want to accomplish? When I started, uh, the health show at burning man, I, I considered it like more of a hobby, more of an interest than something I was doing professionally. It's like, like I said, I was a researcher and and a consultant and a professional performer since I was like eight years old. Not, I'm not a doctor. Right. And so, um, going into it, it just kind of seemed like something that I would always need to keep my eye on seeing a few, like how it's played out with a few family members over the years. Um, some really well, some not so much. I want to make sure that I am, on point. And also I just love talking to interesting people about things that are, that, that I believe are important, um, for the world to hear and for the world to learn about. And health obviously is one of those things. I don't think that's ever going to go away. And, um, it, whereas if I were talking about something super specific, or if I made it just to show about nutrition, which at the beginning, it kind of was, um, as it's gone on, I've allowed myself the luxury and the freedom of exploring whatever topics seem to be health related to me at the time. Like right now, social media addiction is in many people's lives more important and more risky to their health than obesity is. And so I think it's important, especially, especially in a place that is relatively high tech, like, you know, podcasting or video shows or what have you. Um, it's important to talk about the things that are happening right now. And, and I can't predict what we're going to be up against in the future. But at this point, now that we have some momentum, it's really great to be able to, to get guests on the show who might be, you know, um, high profile yeah. who are willing to come on and just talk about these things because it always, every show surprises me and every interview I have, like when I'm talking more on this show, far more 
then I talk on mine. Yeah. And I, I like that interchange going back and forth because sometimes I learn the most when I'm being interviewed by folks like you. Well, man, thank you. I, you know, I feel like you are going back to why you do this, why, you know, it's, so fat is the vehicle, the muse, but it's for people have more energy. It feels like you are here to support us to free and enable us to be the best us that we can be. And, and I'm, that's why I had you on the show. That's why I went after you. Um, and uh, I will have to say that I, like you, you know this, you're a podcast guy. I get requests pretty much daily for people who'd love to be on the show. And some of those I accept, but I generally am going after people I want on. And when cool. I got into your message, I wanted you to bring it here. I'm so grateful. And folks, I want everybody to dive into this, to get the book and to adapt this lifestyle and this diet and further because it will help support you with all those Ziggler goals and dreams and aspirations that we can't do if our body is wrecked because then our mind's wrecked and uh, we want to be all that we can be. Thank you. Thanks for being here, giving us your time, and thanks for doing what you do and delivering your art and your gift to us. Thanks for having me and thank you so much for listening. Absolutely. Well, friends, I hope this really has you inspired and thinking about what you can do, what lifestyle you can design to give yourself the opportunity for more energy, which is going to give you more, honestly, of everything, more joy, more faith, more creativity, more critical thinking. Uh, more, again, you have more of everything. Uh, so I, again, I really encourage you to check out more of what Abel has to offer. You can go to fatburningman.com. Uh, you can find his book, The Wild Diet, anywhere you get books. And of course, check out his podcast, Fat Burning Man. And if you got value from the show, let Abel know. Uh, leave a review for The Ziggler Show in iTunes and mention this show. Coming up next in show 636, we hear from Zig Ziglar about a guy pursuing what he deemed as success, what he, what he thought was success. But once Zig helped him unpack what he was really going after, the guy realized the direction he was going was not at all where he wanted to end up. And I, I think aspects of the message speak to all of us, truly. Uh, sure does me every time I've heard it, and I've heard it so many times. Uh, from this message, though, I asked this question. What is a pursuit you have given up for the better? Something you quit going after and are grateful you did. Well, we got responses from you know career pursuits to business pursuits to schooling to personal relationship issues. It was really significant. Covers a lot of ground. I had Michelle Prince join me and we talked through all the comments. Really just amazing. So I hope you can join us for that. Till then, thank you as always for letting me walk with you as we inspire our true performance together. <laughs>